There's a statement that is made that I think is misunderstood by a lot of Christians. And the reason I believe it is misunderstood maybe is because of the amount of ministries that have a title that kind of go along with this verse. Or maybe just the way people, and maybe not the church as a whole around the world, but definitely American Christianity, westernized Christianity deals with this text maybe in a misleading way. And so I want to look at John 10, 10. John 10, 10. And I want to talk to you tonight about what is abundant life. What does it mean to live more abundantly? What, what does that look like in my Christian life? If we, was going to, if we were going to flesh out Abundant life. What is it going to look like for a Christian? And uh, I want to look at what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse 10, chapter 10, John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the service that we're in right now. Thank you for everything that's already been done today, for your honor and glory from the opening of Sunday school to up to this point right now. Thank you for being able to open a Bible. Thank you for the privilege of having a Bible. God, as we already have mentioned in the service, that the cost that has, the price that's been paid for us to have a copy of the Word of God in our language, God, we take it for granted. Thank you for a Bible. Thank you for loving us enough to give us the scriptures, to tell us what you have uh, what you have said, to give us what you have said. And then thank you, Lord, for letting us read it today in the hearing of these people. I pray you bless the, the reading of it. I've got a lot more verses to read tonight and to quote, but I pray, God, you'd bless that as well. But I pray you'd help me to preach with power and unction of the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that we would leave out of here different than we came in. I pray we'd understand the kind of life that you want us to have in you, in Christ alone. I pray you bless now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That word abundant, the word means exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure, means more. It uh, means superfluous. It means a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than what one would expect or anticipate. It's a lot. <laughs> a whole bunch. That's how we would say it around here maybe. Abundantly would mean you got a whole lot of something. A whole bunch of something. And Jesus says, I've come, I am come, that they might have life. And he could have stopped there and that had been good, especially in comparison to what the thief is doing, right? Thief is stealing and killing and destroying. And so if he just said, I come to give you life, that'd be really good, be real positive. But he goes further. Here's what he's saying. I've come to give you life and a whole lot more. I've come to give you life and a whole bunch on top of it. I've come to give you life and the whipped cream and cherry and sprinkles on top, if I could put it that way. And uh, abundantly. Here's, here's, here's what, in short, Jesus is saying. 
Jesus promises to give us a life far better than we could ever imagine. And, and, and we're going to look at it in just a minute. We're going to look at four different areas that, that what abundant life is and what it ain't. But, but he come to give you a life far better than what you could ever imagine. Jesus come to give you a life better than you could even think of for yourself. 1 Corinthians and verse, chapter 2, verse 9 gives us it like this. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And we look at that verse sometimes and we only think about what's out there yonder in heaven waiting for us. But wait a minute, I, I'm getting ahead of myself, but eternal life don't start when we die. It's ear, ear hath not heard, I have not seen. It's not even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. Hey, there is no telling what God wants to do with you. I think about the prophet Jonah. Oh, Jonah gets a bad rep a lot of time. And, and, and rightfully so, he ran for the will of God and, and there's a whole long story there. But at one point in the story, in the account there is a statement made that for years now has rung out and it is something I've used over and over again in my own personal life and as I think about what God can do with other people. And he says this, who can tell if God, who can tell if God, if you repent, if you get right with God, who can tell if God. God, when I think about these young men, Ashton and Jeremiah, when I think about these young men, Lucas and, and AJ and Jack, am I right? I got it, Jack and John. I get John and Jack mixed up. Uh, who, what God, who can tell what God can do when I think and I look over this congregation at this church and what God has done in the past 150 years or so and what God's going to do if he leaves us here another 150 years. Who can tell if God, God's got something bigger for you than you could even imagine. He's got something bigger for your life. Your eyes hadn't seen it. Your ears hadn't heard it. It's not even entered into the heart of you what God can do. Now I think about that. What entered into the heart, I think about our imagination. I don't know about y'all, I still have a pretty lively imagination. And uh, I think sometimes of some wild stuff sometimes. I mean, like, I remember, I've been like this as a kid, but I remember getting it, it, what would enter into my heart about a ball game coming up when I played ball. And it would enter into my heart of me being the superstar of the ball game. But I was the sinner, not S-I-N-N-E-R, the S, the C, I can't even spell, C-E-N-T-E-R. I was the guy who hiked the ball. He's never the hero of the story, right? He's never the hero of the game. He never does anything. Uh, well, we saw Alabama's center was the zero of the game, but nonetheless, I heard some of y'all talking about that earlier. But, go dogs. But, but, <laughs> but I, I didn't into my heart that I was going to be the hero. Hey, there's sometimes Saturday nights, early Sunday morning, entered into my heart. Man, this place is going to be packed out. We're going to run out of parking. We're going to run out of seats. I'm going to preach like fork it lightning. 3,000 people is going to get saved. We're going to send about 2,000 people on the mission field. I mean, it's going to get on like Donkey Kong. It enters into my heart some big stuff. It, it enters. And, and God says this. Your eye hadn't seen it. Your ear hadn't heard it. And it's not even entered in your heart. You can't even imagine 
What God has prepared for them that love Him. Well, that's big, isn't it? There's a condition there. To them that love Him. I'm not going to dig there. That's a whole other message for another day. The Apostle Paul tells us that God is able, in Ephesians he says this, he's able to exceedingly abundant, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And he does it by his power. And, and that power is what's working in us. Here's what the verse says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He can do far more than we can ever imagine. He can do exceeding abundantly. And before, listen, before you start thinking tonight of, of lavish homes or uh, expensive cars, or worldwide cruises or crusades, and more money that we know what to do with, we've got to think about what does Jesus teach about the abundant life? Take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for a second. We're going to flip our Bibles a little bit. I hope that's okay. If not, you'll just not flip your Bible, and you'll have to take my word for it, which is pretty dangerous. But for those of you that care about what the Bible said, have a Bible with you tonight, flip it with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. What does is, what is God tell us about uh, wealth and prestige and position and power in this world? Does God really think much of that? Does God need that? Someone will give the idea, well, I want to get famous so I can, when I get famous, then I'll use my platform to get the gospel out. That hardly ever happens. That, that hardly ever happens. I'm not being ugly, but that famous football player, Tim Tebow, was supposed to be a missionary. Instead, he played football on Sundays. Now he's yoked up with a bunch of Catholics and Mormons. Say what you want to. He's a good football player, but he was supposed to be a missionary. But instead, he traded the ministry for a platform. And now, yeah, bunches of people are following him, but he's yoking up with a crowd that's preaching a heresy. He's yoked up with a crowd that's sending people to hell with their gospel. Listen, I'm not saying everybody that turns out like that is going to turn out that way. I'm just saying that if you think God needs your wealth or your prestige or your position to, to use that platform for the honor and glory of God, God doesn't need any of that. And look at your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not to bring to naught, those are things that are, here's why, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Here's what God says. God says, I don't need your wealth. I don't need your prestige. I don't need your power or your position. I can take the foolish things of the world 
and confound the wise. I can take the weak things and the meager elements of the world and I can confound the mighty. God says, I can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. God says, I can do a lot with a little. I can do abundantly. I can do a whole lot with a whole lot, a whole lot of nothing. I can take a zero and do a whole lot with it. Don't forget, he created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. He created everything that's on this planet out of nothing. He doesn't need our platform. I'm not saying he won't use it, but he don't need it. So in terms of economic or even academic or social status, most Christians don't come from privileged classes. Abundant life does not consist of abundance of material. Listen, if that, was, if that was the case, Jesus would have been the wealthiest of men on earth. Right? If the abundant life means having a bunch of stuff, then Jesus would have had everything. But he said in Matthew 8, 20, the foxes have holes and the birds have their, uh, have their nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. You better believe Jesus is living the abundant life. and He didn't have a home. He didn't have a place to lay his head. So here's abundant life. Abundant life is eternal life. Abundant life is eternal life. And eternal life starts, it begins the moment you come to Christ and receive him as Savior at that moment and goes throughout eternity. And here's what God said in John chapter 17, verse number 3 about eternal life. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Here's what abundant life is, is knowing God. Knowing him, not just a mental ascent, but knowing him personally. Having a personal relationship and fellowship with God, that is Abundant life. That definition does not mention anything about the length of days. Doesn't mention anything about health or prosperity or family or occupation. As a matter of fact, the only thing it mentions is the knowledge of God. That's the key to having truly abundant life. So real quickly, four things. What is the abundant life? Number one, a, a first... It is spiritual abundance, not material. Now, God is concerned. He is concerned with our physical circumstance in our life. He is concerned with them. But he's not overly concerned with them. He's not concerned with our physical comforts that we claim we need. I don't want to bust your bubble. But your budget Probably, as you maybe at the first of the year are looking at that. I don't know if you have or not, or you're going to, or whatever. I know some of you, you meet your goals every year because you never set none. But uh, those that are trying to set some goals, your budget probably includes some things you don't need. I know, oh me, you're meddling now, preacher. Get to preaching the Bible, I know. My budget includes some things that I really don't need, but boy, I've talked myself into needing it. I've talked my wife into us needing it. I've talked to, hey, we got to have it. 
Oh, but this helps me get this done. It helps me get that done. And, and it'll help this and it'll help that. He's not concerned about the creature comforts that we enjoy as spoiled Americans. Now, I'm, I'm, I said, we, y'all don't look so mad at me. <laughs> I'm including myself in all this. But watch this, spirit, but, but, but abundant life is not material abundance, it's spiritual abundance. Here, here's the thing. He assured us in Matthew's gospel, God, Jesus assured us in Matthew's gospel that we don't even need to worry. We don't have to worry about what we eat or what we wear. And what's the two main concerns of most people's life? Will we You'll be eating a meal, eating breakfast. What are we having for lunch? Somebody, blame, you blame your kids for that, but you do the same stuff. You're eating lunch, wonder what you're having for supper. Eating supper, making your meal plans for the rest of the week. Huh? Forget, give us this day our daily bread. God, give us our monthly bread. We're going to Sam's or Costco, right? Fill the cabinets up. We are so concerned about what we, oh, what about what we wear? I'm sure nobody did this this morning. You walked in your walk-in closet full of stuff. I have nothing to wear this morning. Oh, and what I wanted to wear is not clean. Oh, the devil's trying to ruin my Lord's day. That ain't the devil. That's your fault. That's because you're so superstitious you didn't wash clothes on New Year's Day. Silly as a mud fence. Anyway, you didn't wash clothes on New Year's Day because you're lazy. Amen. Anyway, y'all want me to preach a message on silly superstitions? I'll stay on abundant life. You ate your collards and your pintos, and if you do that 365 days a year, you might be better off. But just doing it one day a year and buying your Starbucks and Chick-fil-A the rest of the time ain't helping your budget. Amen. That's good preaching right there. All right, I'm getting back on the notes, all right? Spiritual. Spiritual abundance. He said this. Physical blessings. He said this in Matthew's gospel. He said he feeds, he feeds the birds. Little sparrows. We don't even think nothing about them. I mean, it very rarely do you, I mean, some of y'all may do it more than I do, but very rarely do I say, man, look at that pretty bird. There's times where I do, but most times I don't. I hear a bird singing, and sometimes it catches my attention, sometimes it don't. If I see a dead bird on the side of the road, it doesn't break my heart, doesn't make me, don't, I don't go into depression about a bird dying or anything like that. Most of the world doesn't stop for a bird's funeral. But God feeds them. God takes care of all of their need. They don't plant a garden. They don't plow. They don't plant. They don't water. They don't harvest anything. But every single day, every bird on this planet has plenty to eat. God says, don't you mean more? a bird then God says if you want a more comparison about your, your clothing what about the flowers of the field yes some of you have beautiful flower beds and you planted those flowers but what about the flowers that grow just out of nowhere I mean on the ditch on the side of the road fly, pretty flowers that just pop up beautiful flowers but nobody cries about a flower wilting on the side of the road. Nobody, nobody breaks down in stage four depression over stepping on a little flower in the field somewhere. Maybe if you do, we are in 2024. We got a bunch of snowflakes, I think is what they call them. I don't know. 
One day they're there. One day you're cutting it down, grinding up and putting in bread. And hippies putting in their drinks and stuff. And God says, uh, don't you mean more than a flower? God says, here's, here's the thing. Physical blessings, physical blessings may or may not be a part of a God-centered life. But watch this, neither our wealth, watch this, nor our poverty is an indication of our standing with God. Whether you're rich or whether you're poor doesn't mean you're right with God. And so... Solomon had all the material blessings available to man, but he said it was all meaningless in Ecclesiastes. And then Paul, on the other hand, Paul was content whether he had a lot of stuff or he had nothing. He said in whatever physical circumstances he found himself in, he said that he had all the strength he needs from the Lord. I realize Philippians 4.13 is not about hitting a baseball. Or getting a touchdown. It brought about, I, I, I've got, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I don't, I'm going to mess it up if I try to quote it because uh, my mind's in a million places here and I didn't write it down. So let me just read it. Philippians 4.13, what I'm referring to is the verse that so many use in sport. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. That's talking about being content in the state God's got you in. In whatever circumstances you're in, physically, materially, God says, I can, Paul says, I can do all, the, I can be content through Christ which strengthens me. So here's the thing, the abundant life has nothing to do with worldly possessions, but everything to do with divine possessions, everything to do with eternal blessings of Jesus, such as the gift of the indwelling Spirit of God. What about the gift that God gave us when he saved us, that he indwelt us and he abides with us forever? What about the gift of his word? What about the gift of, uh, of, of the church, the gift of having uh, the church family and people that, that pray for us and pray with us? And so uh, the, the gift of prayer, the gift of being used for him or by him for his glory, that's the things, that's the things that make life abundant. It's spiritual things, not material things. And that's just a few. Second, abundant life, eternal life, the life a Christian's truly concerned is, is not determined by duration, but by a relationship with God. Take your Bibles to 1 John 5, if you will. As you're flipping there, what I mean by that statement is this. Just because you live a long life does not mean you're right with God. It might mean you're wrong with God and he's being merciful and trying to give you more time to get right with God. Now, I'm not pointing that at anybody here. I want to say the opposite is true as well. Just because a person has a short life does not mean they were wrong with God. The abundant life has nothing to do with the duration of your life. I'll say this, I'm 35 years young and I thank God it has been a blessing to live just as long as I have lived. There's many people that have died earlier than I uh, at my age, but watch this, that's not a sign I'm right or wrong with God. First thing we do when somebody dies young, we'll say, well, they must not obey their mom and daddy. I understand that's a Bible promise and God said that, but that don't mean that. What about these little babies that die right out of the womb? You sound like them pharisaical disciples. Looking at that blind man. 
who sinned, him or his mom and daddy, him being born blind. Oh yeah, that baby could really sin to make himself be born blind. Just because, die young, just because you live long. It's not about duration. Here, you're in 1 John chapter 5, look at verse number 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Those, those words, hath, hath, have, that's present tense. When we are saved by the grace of God, when we are born into the family of God, we have eternal life right then, at that very moment. So what I'm saying is that the length of our life on earth is not synonymous with the abundant life. It may be a short life. It may be a long life here on earth. But eternal life starts the day that we're saved. Eternal life is not about how long we're here. And so abundance of, of, of the abundant life is not about material but, spirit, but spiritual abundance. And it's also not about duration but it's about our relationship with God. He says this, you got the son, you got life. You ain't got the son, you ain't got life. Eternal life is about our relationship with the Son. Number three, this is something that I think is misunderstood by many that try to use the verse, our text verse for other things, but another aspect of the promise of abundant life is that it does not prohibit us from difficulties. It does not prohibit us from difficulties. If you were to go back to John 10, 10, the first part of our text verse says, the thief cometh. The thief cometh. Not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. The enemy, the thief, Satan, he desires to steal our minds. He desires to kill our joy, to destroy our witness. And he is at work against us. And he is at work uh, trying to disrupt our fellowship with God. He's a thief. Other places in the scripture we find out he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Listen, the devil, our enemy, the thief, he is pitted against us and our relationship with Jesus. That means he's coming. And that means the abundant life is not going to shield you from, from difficulties. It's not going to shield you from an enemy. Abundant life is not going to shield you from the attacks of Satan. The, difficult, I mean, the, uh, the abundant life is not going to shield you from the attacks of your flesh. Some may be sitting here tonight and you may think, man, if I arrive, if I get to a, a place, this certain place in my spiritual life, I'll never have these temptations. I'll never have these battles of the flesh. I can just live so free and I'll never worry about it. I'll be sinless. I'll be perfect. Now, I'll, I'll have all this stuff uh, together. I'll have it all figured out and it'll be so wonderful. Listen, ain't going to happen. Temptation comes for all of us. 
Temptation rises up. It's common to men, what, what 1 Corinthians 10 says. It's common to man. But God is faithful. With that temptation, he makes a way of escape. And so God says that, that God is telling us here in John 10, that thief is coming. He's going to try to steal from you. He's going to try to kill you. He's going to try to destroy you. And there's going to be difficulties along the way. But Romans chapter 8, verse 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Doesn't necessarily mean there won't be anybody trying to be against us. It's just that, well, if, if God's for us, then what does it matter? If I'm pleasing God, what does it matter? If, God's, if I'm on God's side, I ain't got to be scared of nobody. I can remember, and they're growing somewhat out of this. My little girl still is in that stage, but thinking that I could take on anybody. And I might could with the right equalizer. <laughs> right? Thank God for the second amendment, but... I remember one night she was we something was happening. She was scared and she said, Well, you're the strongest man in the world. I thought, well, I hope she thinks that for a long time, but she's gonna figure out pretty soon I ain't. And here's what she was saying with you on my side, it don't matter. I'm so competitive, y'all know that. I've said that so many times. I hate losing. We played Uno the other night, and I didn't play to let my kids win or my pretty wife win. I play to win. I want to win big. We played Yahtzee the other night, and uh, I got pretty uh, I was high and mighty in the first two games because I was winning pretty big, and I started losing, and I was about ready to quit. But I was trying to teach my kids character. I hate losing. I hate it. And if we ever try to team up on something, the kids will say, I want to be on daddy's team. Why are you going to be on my team? Because you always win. And I don't always win. But they think I do. That's what their thought is. If I'm on his side, I'm winning. And that's the idea that Paul is writing there in Romans chapter 8 is if we've got God on our side, we always win. What's it matter who we go against? What's it matter who comes against us? What's it matter what the enemy is trying to do if he's coming against us? Because we've got God on our side. Jesus said this in John 16 in the world. You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now listen, that shouting ground, that last part's shouting ground, hallelujah, he's overcome the world, but we must not miss the middle. We are going to have tribulation in this world. We're going to have trouble. We're going to have the bad doctor's reports. We're going to have to follow the, the, procession, the funeral procession to the graveside. We're going to have the bad reports from a family member who goes through trial. We're going to have stuff rise up in our lives that are, not, that are, that are ugly, that, that are not, uh, that are not uh, joyful, that do not bring joy but maybe bring pain in our lives. We're going to have tribulation. Thank God he's overcome the world. John, 1 John 4 and 4, he said, in, he said, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. So abundant life, it's not material abundance, it's spiritual abundance. It, it's not about the duration of your life, but your relationship with Christ. And it's not, it is not, does not prohibit us from difficulties. Last thing, and I'm done. Take your Bibles, please, to 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. 
what is the abundant life. And there's so much more that could be said uh, tonight, but these are just some basic things that I think maybe are sometimes misunderstood about the abundant life. Sometimes we think it means having a bunch of stuff, having a bunch of material things. Sometimes we think it's because we have long life and health. And some may think it's because it means you won't ever have any troubles. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says this as he closes out this letter to the church there. He says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. You know what the abundant life is? The abundant life revolves around growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The abundant life is a continual process of learning. A continual process of practicing. Sometimes we forget this. Parents, be careful for us forgetting this. It's hard learning. It means you're going to make some mistakes. It means you're going to have some failures. Be careful. I, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to anybody. As you are teaching your children to be so hard when they do fail as they're learning. Because some of the greatest lessons I have learned in my life is the lessons that I learned because I messed up. Tell my students in the classroom with, in the, with a math promise, if you'll work that thing out, we can find where you mess up. Not to poke fun at you, not to, to laugh at you, not to put your, a dunce cap on you, not to put your name on the board and say, ha ha, look how crazy, how, look how dumb they are. No, no, no. But we can find that mistake so we can help you not make it again. And the abundant life is learning, it is practicing, it is maturing, which all includes failing and recovering, and adjusting, and enduring, and overcoming. See, the abundant life is going to have some slip-ups. It's going to have some failing times. But watch this. The abundant life's not going to stay down. The abundant life is going to get back up. He's going to adjust and find where he can make better. The, the man living an abundant life is going to learn, is going to see how he can endure that hardness as a good soldier and how he can learn from the, those things that he's going through, the circumstances that he's going through. He's going to overcome them. Why? Because he realizes, like 1 Corinthians 13 says, we're right now seeing through a glass darkly. We don't see the whole picture yet. And so we are growing in grace. Growing's hard. I don't know if this is true or not, but I remember growing up, I had these awful leg pains. And I don't know if this was just to get me to stop my whining or what, but the doctor told mama it was growing pains. And I remember some nights I looked at my mama and said, I better be six foot six, as bad as my legs are hurting. Y'all see how that worked out. I guess that growing, the wrong thing was hurting. <laughs> that's what I had, growing pain. I don't know if all that's true or not, but if it is, growing hurts. Sometimes growing up hurts, don't it? Maturing hurts. Taking the high road sometimes hurts. Hurts our pride. 
had somebody tell me not long ago, uh, they're growing up, they're becoming a young adult. I've seen them for the first time in a long time, and I said, how's things going? And he said, uh, said, growing up kind of (laughs) stinks. I said, yeah. I said, I wish I could tell you it gets better. Well, it don't. I said, so just fall in love with Jesus. It's the best life you can live, living for Jesus. But growing up, there's pains involved. Some of you are in some stages in your life, there's new pains that are involved. As your children are getting older, some getting out of the house, or some uh, having other things going on in their life, and, and now they're not under your protection like they were when they were at home. And now they're going through the same, some trials that, that you wish you could just shelter them in. You could put them in their, your care, but you can't do it like you did before. There's growing pains. Some of you... Senior saints have gotten calls from maybe your children, grandchildren. They ask you questions like, you remember when? How did you? How in the world did you handle this? Growing sometimes ain't fun. But a Christian, an abundant life, is consumed with growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because one day we're going to see God face to face. And one day, we're going to know him completely, and he's going to know us completely. And the he already does know us, but we're going to be known completely, and we're no longer going to have the struggle with sin and doubt. We're going to have that ultimate abundant life. Naturally, we desire material things. Ain't nothing wrong with your desire for material things. But our perspective has to be changed our as a christian our our minds have to be renewed you know we become a new creation when god saves us so our understanding of abundance has to be transformed see a true abundant life consists of abundant love joy peace long suffering you know those fruits of the spirit that are in galatians chapter 5 not abundance of stuff. It consists of a life that's eternal. And, and that means our interests have to be turned to eternal interests, not temporal interests. So Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 2 and 3. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ. In God. Set your affections on things above. What is the abundant life? Well, the abundant life is not a bunch of material things. And again, I want to reemphasize that you having material things or not having it doesn't make you more spiritual or less spiritual. But it's not about that. The abundant life does not mean you're not going to have any difficulties because you will. And just because you have more than others doesn't mean really anything. Now, I understand there are some things that we caused ourselves, right? There are some things we bring upon ourselves. But then there's some things we had no control over. And that, and that rains on the just and the unjust alike, what the Bible says. An abundant life doesn't mean a long, long life here on earth, but it means a relationship with God. Eternal life, it starts as they were saved. It goes on forever, and it's long in that aspect, but now here on earth it may not be. An abundant life is centered on growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's anything I challenge you with in 2024, 
If there's anything I can challenge you with in this first Sunday night of 2024, as we are entering into a new year, we, enter, we have entered in, we're here. And some of you last week was kind of weird for you, right? Last week was a weird week. Monday was the holiday. Some of you, because Monday was the holiday, your work schedules throwed off, school schedules are thrown off. Your life schedule because you're, you know, because your places of business that you do business with throughout the week was thrown off. So last week was weird. So tomorrow's probably going to start, I know for myself, going to start my first complete real week. Back to whatever normal means for the Allen family. And as we begin this first maybe normal week, if there's anything I challenge you with is grow. It's set out this year to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. To, to, number one, realize that this ain't about material gain. It's not about having a bunch of stuff. It's not meaning that I'm going to be free from difficulty. It's not even about having a long life. God wants me to have a long life. I want to live until I'm 100, but if God wants to do different, that's fine. But that last thing we talked about, growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, set out this year to know more about Jesus, to know more about that abundant life of having that fellowship with him, that, 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 that close, intimate relationship with him, learning more from his word, letting his word change you, let it transform your thinking, renew your thinking. Let it, con let it conform you to the image of his son. Make, make, make you are conformed to being more like Christ this year, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's anything this year, I don't have a fancy theme this year. I don't have a fancy banner to hang up this year. And nothing wrong with that. We've done that in the past. We've done that last year. We do it a lot. I don't have a fancy theme or banner. If I can encourage you with anything, it's to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Living that abundant life. He didn't come here just to save you. Thank God he did. But if that's all he came for, he'd have snuffed you out as soon as he saved you. But he left you here to have a life abundantly. To have a life more abundantly. And that abundant life comes through the fellowship with the shepherd. That good shepherd we talked about this morning. So this morning, this evening, I want to challenge you with that. Leave you with that. Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll give you an opportunity. Maybe you want to pray. Maybe you want to ask the Lord to help you with that this year. To help you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That God would help you learn more about Him. To learn more as we are on Wednesday nights dealing with the spiritual gifts. Maybe that you got asking God to help you learn what your spiritual gift or gifts are. You may use your life to glorify and honor God. Growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Meditate on these things. That this year may not make more money, may not have more in the bank account at the end of the year, may not lose a bunch of weight, may not have all those other goals that you've set out. But if there's one goal you want to meet this year, and that is to know more about Jesus. To grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And live that abundant life.